Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 29. Big show as we transition into World Cup qualifying. Joining me in the business end of ESPN Deportes and EA Sports, Fernando Palomo. We will talk about Lionel Messi's debut and we'll talk about the USA El Salvador game. He's from El Salvador. And uh, we'll preview it. We're off and running. It's going to be a great discussion. Then in stoppage time, I will give you my predictions of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying final stage. Yes, we're here. And we're going to have three games right out of the traps. So we will get a good idea very quickly. As I always like to remind you, we're one big happy family here. Please do all you can. Share, download, rate, review, leave a comment. We certainly do appreciate it as we look to expand this podcast, which is important for you because you can say you were there when it all started. Big program, a lot to discuss. Let's go. We are back, and I know I've probably said something to this nature before, but what an incredible time for this sport. The summer, we had the Euros, the Copa America, the Gold Cup. We thought we were going to be overwhelmed when the leagues began right at the end of everything we saw in the summer. And when it started, we just delved right in. And the incredible images from the crowds, particularly in the Premier League that stood out, but everywhere, and the players coming back. And then it just doesn't end there. Now we start World Cup qualifying as we get towards the biggest event in sports, the World Cup. Yes, I said sports. Not the Olympics, not the Super Bowl. It's the World Cup, and it's only going to get bigger in many ways. You know, I was actually taking a look at the 48-team format. I'm kind of warming up to it because we're going to miss a lot of teams in the 32 format. That's not a lot. Now, 32 teams is perfect. Just like 64 teams was perfect for the NCAA tournament. But they always expand because of money. Whether it is FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League, CONCACAF, they all want to make things bigger because it means deeper pockets. And uh, you've got to be ready for that because I know we're a lot of, there's a lot of us that are very romantic. When the Super League came out, and Super League's not dead, folks. I truly believe that. I say that without hesitation. That we have a situation where uh, the rich will get richer, the poor will get the picture, and the sport will move along at a certain pace. We've seen it in the huge gap between the transfer market, which is another thing that we're talking about. This transfer market's insane. We see Lionel Messi change clubs. We see Cristiano Ronaldo change clubs. Jack Grealish and Romelu Lukaku. And talks of Harry Kane. And talks of Kylian Mbappe. The biggest stars on the planet all changing addresses. This is crazy. But it's happening. And we're all getting used to it, I think. So you had that, the World Cup qualifying, and it's just a tinderbox with all this goodness inside. Not really explosives, but you know, we can certainly enjoy the direction our sport is headed. So we will have a chat with Fernando Palomo. I just finished it. We, uh, we talked about Messi's debut, and we'll also talk about the World Cup qualifying. USA opens with El Salvador down at the Cuscutlan. Uh, by the way, he was telling me off the air, if you are a USA supporter, because you can't fly to a lot of places, if you can get to Miami, <laughs> there's a direct flight from Miami International to San Salvador for $130. And this is for next week. This is from four days from now. You can book that flight. So if you've ever wanted to go to El Salvador and want to see a World Cup qualifying, it's cheaper to go down there now than it is to go see this team play in the Nations League or the Gold Cup. It really... <laughs> Fernando tried to get me to go. I don't know if I can pull it off, but I'm considering it. And the same in other countries. If you look at Latin America, South America, Central America, these flights are still going on. They have to, but they're empty. So they're giving it to you for a song. Flights to New York or Miami or... San Francisco, they're all going and they're full so they don't have to go too cheap. Although flying now is very inexpensive. Can't really go to Europe. Can't go to the Pacific. There you have it. So an interesting set of circumstances with regards to that, if that is something that interests you. 
I will talk about the uh, the predictions coming up. And I did do my YouTube show and check it out, Max Bretos Soccer OG YouTube. I'm going to have a new one coming out tonight with my predictions as well. And I talked about the squad that the USA assembled for World Cup qualifying, and Sebastian Legette was on there. And I'm not I'm not a crazy Sebastian Legette fan, but I think he serves an important purpose. He's a, a very good central midfielder who can help you in set pieces. He's experienced, and the coach, well, he makes the coach feel comfortable by his presence. And that is a very important detail. His time with the national team is probably going to wrap up sometime next year because the players coming up are going to be too good and they're going to gain experience. And that'll take away an advantage he has over guys that are 22, 23 that have an experience qualifying and uh, have to get used to it. And that's what makes these games coming up so intriguing because this is all new for Christian Pulisic. Well, he played some in the last cycle, but Weston McKinney and Serginho Dest, all of them, Josh Sargent, this is all new. That's going to be a shock to the system because this isn't taking your Maserati down the tunnel at Stamford Bridge or Gio Reyna there at Dortmund. This is a different kettle of fish. It's hostile. So uh, anyway, Sebastian Leg- it was a good roster. I think most people agree with it. But there was an outrage because Sebastian Legette. And it's been gone, going on like that for months. And then also Tim Ream. You know, I wouldn't have included Tim Ream, but I get it. So the way I look at it is that Greg Berhalter, we could have brought in the old guard. He could have brought in Josie Altidore. He did bring in Braguzan, but he's not really there long term. He could have brought in Michael Bradley, but he didn't give those guys a sniff. He didn't. He gave the job to the kids, but you still need experience. Now, I talk to a lot of coaches about it because sometimes it sounds like coach speak. When you say you need a veteran presence, a good locker room presence. But when I'm earnest with these coaches, I go, is that legit? And I go, yeah, you need it. You need an extra set of eyes from experienced players because you can't be everywhere. And that is invaluable to these coaches. So that's part of the role that Sebastian Legette is going to play. So I defend Sebastian Legette. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It's a good selection. And you, the last two days have been hell for me. Everyone's chiming in. Legette's playing in the LAFC Galaxy game, and I'm getting tweets go, whoa, you like him now? He's having a stinker. And everyone thinks to, they know everything. I had this, this kid that goes, who the hell are you anyway? To me. I go, I, I didn't tweet anything. Dude, I'm the soccer OG. I've been doing this for 25 years. I wish I did. it wasn't that long. I wish I was 25 years old. But during that time, I have built a contact list. I know coaches and players and uh, media members and agents and scouts, and I talk to them all the time, and I get their intel. That's what I bring to you here. So if this guy didn't know who I am, because I've been around for the longest time covering this sport, that's a you problem, no? Why don't you know who I am? Even if you hate me. But this is what I've been dealing with, so I don't want to bring up Sebastian Legette again. Because it's really made my life miserable the last two days. All I am saying is he is valuable. He's not a game. Some guy goes, oh, he's not a game breaker. I go, well, most national teams don't have a bunch of game breakers. They have specialists that do different things. And they bring them all together to make the right squad. That's what makes the management part so so interesting and, and challenging. So, come on. He's not Christian Pulisic. He's probably going to play a bit role. He's not going to be a starter. But he might come in and put in a corner kick that sets up the winning goal. Or he might score the goal. Some people kept saying, he goes, he's the king of the backpass. So people are sending me videos of him backpassing. And I'm looking at some of the videos and I go, where can he pass it? There's two guys behind him and he's facing his own goal. How, where can he pass it but back or sideways? <sighs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I'm out of the Sebastian Legette game, but he should be on this national team squad. Do you think... Greg Barhalter has made these selections and everything was spot on, but he's way off base with this one. I mean, this, he's, not having, he's not having a laugh there. He's not trying to wind you up. Those guys are in there because they deserve it, because they help the team. And I guarantee you there's going to be a moment where we'll say, oh, I'm glad Sebastian Legette's there. Maybe not, because we won't be able to prove it in many cases. All right. Soccer OG, we're getting started. Let's get into the business at an incredible conversation with Fernando Palomo about a great many things. Let's go.
back here in the Soccer OG, the business end, where we go mano y mano, face to face with some of the some of the best soccer personalities in the world. No exception here. Fernando Palomo. Fernando J. Palomo, I learned today. Yes, that stands for, for Jose, middle name. Maximiliano. <laughs> so great to see you. So great to hear you. I, I follow you. You know that big fan. And, and so great to call you my friend, too. Yes, and we're doing it, just so you know, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but Fernando's wearing his El Salvador shirt. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. shirt. It's got the big white collar, the blue. Yeah, we're going on describing. This is the vintage 1970 edition of the El Salvador shirt, which I got in an airport in Sao Paulo in Brazil. They have a <laughs> You just wait a minute. You just saw it and go, I got to get that. Now, I knew about this store that sells a vintage jerseys in Brazil. And when we went to the World Cup in 2014, I, every airport I hit, I kind of looked at the shop and they pretty much had the same jerseys all over. You know, it's Gremio, Flamengo, Brazil, Uruguay. They were great shirts. And I'm like, I can't just buy any shirt. I have right. to buy shirts that are meaningful to me. So I bought a Gremio shirt because, because Gremio went to El Salvador a bunch of times in the early 80s. So they became kind of like my, my Brazil team or my team in Brazil. And then I found this one in Sao Paulo, 1970 edition of the El Salvador shirt that, that El Salvador wore in the in the World Cup. Funny enough, it's blue with a white collar, right? Like a wide, long, lapel-looking collar. You could you could get in past the velvet ropes at a uh, uh, at a, a discoteca with that shirt. They'll let of you course, right in. Yeah, it's that Flamingo elegant. Flamingo Inn will probably take me. I don't know if that bar exists or not, but it, <laughs> they could definitely take me. Uh, so the funny thing is that El Salvador played in two World Cups, six World Cup games in, in all. And they never wore a blue shirt. It was always no. in white. That's a little when, when did When did Mahiko Gonzalez play? Was he in those World Cups? 1982. Oh, so it was the 82 World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, Mahiko Gonzalez is, for, for uh, forgive my ignorance, but it's like the Maradona of El Salvador, who had his opportunity. No. In no. 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 But you know what they say. He's the He's Messi of the Maradona. Balkans. He's better than Maradona? Okay. <laughs> For us, nice talking is. with you, Fernando. We'll have... <laughs> yeah, great. No, well, actually, Maradona said, and, and it's, it's, it's not good manners to talk about somebody that is, that is not in the conversation. And, and if he were to be in the conversation, you and I better go somewhere else because that'd be kind of scary. But he... <laughs> We're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, but Maradona... We're dead. Yeah, exactly. We got to look down from there if we're both in the same conversation with Maradona this time. But he once said... When they asked him, so what is it, when he was playing for Barcelona in Spain, what does it feel to be the best player in the world? And he said, and this is on tape, somebody has to have it somewhere. It's not myth or anything. He said, well, for that, you better go down to Cadiz because the best player in the world plays for Cadiz and that's Jorge Gonzalez. Yeah. That's great. What, and every time I talk to Salvadoreños and we talk about Magico Gonzalez, you see just the the lights light up, the eyes light up, and just the emotions start to turn. So I love seeing that reaction because we know El Salvador is a small country and you got to stick to those heroes. And a guy to come out of El Salvador to play in Spain and Cadiz and do that is pretty significant. But we're not here to talk about... We'll talk, we're will talk. we going to talk about USA El Salvador because they're playing on September the 2nd. And uh, we'll, we'll save that for a minute. But there's you cover everything uh, at ESPN Deportes uh, and World Traveler, seen it all. And now you got La Liga in there, but we La Liga is developing. We'll talk about that. But obviously, the big story in La Liga is Lionel Messi leaving. And hey, he did you, he debuted today, and uh, Paris Saint Germain. Uh, they had a. It was very odd. I was like watching it. I was excited, and then so the weirdest thing was Mbappe, who's supposedly going to be sold to Real Madrid, plays this incredible game, scores two goals and you figure he's going to go, and then here comes Messi, and then he replaces Neymar. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought those were the two guys. So maybe he's not leaving. I mean, mm -hmm. I, after that game, the price tag's going to go up. But I'm really excited about seeing Paris Saint-Germain play with Lionel Messi to see where it goes. But they've been – I mean, it's, it's just such a weird rollout. So they got Donnarumma. He's not playing. Keylor Navas is playing. Sergio Ramos isn't in there yet. And now Messi gets into it. Now they have this international break. So it hasn't really ramped up. And it's, uh, I, I don't think it's going to ramp up till another month or so. I don't know what to expect. I, 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 their goals are going to be win the French League, win the Champions League, or get very, very deep in the Champions League. I just don't know if I can stamp my approval. 
their goals are not going to be to get to get very deep in the Champions League. They to win it. They went to a final without Messi and well, Sergio Ramos. But if they, they made a final, it. they'll be they'll say this was a success. I they have to win it. I mean, no team has ever put this much pressure on themselves to start the league off. No They're not going to win it. I, mean, I, I look for what I'm seeing. Something has to change for them. We're all especially if they lose Mbappe. We're all fans of hyperbole when it comes to our time, right? We're all, every time we live through something, we, th we say, oh, this has never happened before. But it has happened before. We've had crazy transfer windows like the ones we've had this time around, which is, you know, we're never, we were not around or paying that much attention to. Or maybe transfer windows were crazy like they were, like they're being now. Now it's just, uh, we're just bringing the past back to us, right? Because, and we never expected this to happen in a pandemic transfer window, which is not post-pandemic at all. We're still through it, right? We're still living through it. And the clubs are still feeling the effects, the economic effects of it. It was not too long ago that, that Florentino Perez was saying, every club is in financial turmoil, right? But yet again, now he's putting down, no, he's not. The club he presides over is putting down 180 million euros for, for Kylian Mbappé. And then Paris Saint-Germain said no to that because, and that will kind of answer to your question, what do we expect? Is he going to leave Paris Saint-Germain after playing a great game today, scoring a brace against, against Rems? We don't know because Paris Saint-Germain doesn't play by the regular football rule book. <laughs> you know, they're just not. They're, they're financed differently. Their history is barely there. It's a team with 60 years of history or, or 50, if I do the math correctly, 50, 50 years. It's all, it's all very new. I mean, they it's had some good new. years in I the mean, 80s the Paris, the with Paris Haye and those guys. That most of this, most of this generation knows, you know, the 18 to 24 year olds know this Paris Saint-Germain was bought in 2012 by a new financial structure that started buying players when, you know, and overpaying for them. So this Paris Saint-Germain is only 10 years old to begin with. Their history is now being created by signing giant piles of money. Yeah, by signing the captain of Real Madrid and the captain of Barcelona and bringing it to them. It's like, okay, guys, you know what? I'm the big daddy of them all right here. You know, I'm, but nobody knows you, dude. I mean, you, you, have, you haven't danced in this dance before, you know? And really, you know, a lot, the younger generation also says, oh, PSG, they probably know that it just emerged to this, this level. And even Manchester City. I mean, Manchester City, when I first started watching the game, you know, the 90s, they weren't even in the Premier League. No, they were struggling to get in. And they were like, who's this? They were not even in Manchester United's zip code. I don't think they use zip codes in England, but I'll <laughs> use that here. So, but it's like this money is, and it's it's interesting what you said about the transfer market because everyone's struggling. I'm here at LAFC and they're the, the, the market has stalled so that players like Diego Rossi, they can't sell them at the prices they want. So clubs in the middle and even in the high areas aren't really buying. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it kind of reminds me when you, I always see these tweets where someone says, during the pandemic, Amazon grew by $20 billion or so-and-so. The big, big industries all improved while the middle didn't. And then in this sport, it feels kind of the same way because uh, even like a Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham, the team I like, they didn't sign anybody. They actually lost more people. But then Manchester City, Manchester United, PSG, Chelsea, Obviously, Barcelona, Real Madrid, because of their situation, aren't doing it. But those four, maybe another, they're the only ones spending, and the money they're spending is astronomical. It's just a, a, a it's just that this time around, you know, figureheads have switched from team to team, whereas before the big stars like Pele and, and Cruyff, well, Cruyff actually went from, from Ajax to Barcelona, but Barcelona was not the big team that it is now back in the early 70s. Cruyff was getting there to try to change their history. But when Di Stefano re left Real Madrid, he went to Espanol, he, he, he dropped a couple of steps down the ladder, right? You're, look, you're talking about Pelé never left Santos except for like a bye year and then went to Cosmos, which was just a step up but on, on, you know, flashlights, not on soccer level. You know, he, he went and put the NASL on the map and Cosmos on the map. But Cosmos were, were a, a nobody, right? Yeah. They didn't play That's anybody. They yeah. played anywhere. And, and, but now Messi goes, one of the best players in history, if not the best players in history, he goes from one big house 
to another big house. And that's the first. And, and Cristiano does it again by going first, he went from Real Madrid to Juventus and now from Juventus to United. So it's like he's just transferring big houses. And in reality, those things are, yeah, somewhat new to, or we haven't seen that in quite some time. But we have to remember as well that Zidane left Juventus to go to Real Madrid at some point and for 72 million euros. And the year that Zidane went to um, to Juventus or to Real Madrid, that year in the transfer market, that was 2001, if I'm not mistaken. I was hosting SportsCenter in, in Argentina. Wow, your Gigi memory is won. really good. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had your memory. Gigi Buffon went from Parma to Juventus. Okay, yeah. You know, so we're talking about one of the best keepers in history. That same year, Verón went to Manchester United. Ruita. Yeah, Rui Costa also transferred team. And I'm, I'm reading now. I'm not playing enough of my memory. Uh, you never admit that. Never admit that. Inzaghi switched teams. Lilian Turam switched teams. Man, everything was happening in Italy. Everything. Yeah, and everything was happening between Italy and, and Spain and, and England. But big names changed teams. So, yes, this stuff has happened before. We just weren't expecting it when everybody was saying, you're not going to see big transfer because the teams are going through, like, again, Florentino Perez said in April, financial turmoil. And in essence, there's few teams, as you said, that are investing because PSG got Ramos and Messi for free. Yeah. PSG's done great. PSG's done really good business. And then there's some other teams that if if Madrid fork up the money, remember that they didn't spend anything last year, nor have they spent anything this year. So that makes two years of savings to try to get Mbappé and build a new new stadium as well, or rebuild their old one. The uh, the Mbappé thing is interesting because it's like a poker game because they're sitting here going, uh, he's going to be out of contract next year, but we we want – we want the entire bank from Real Madrid. So they said 180. I mean, I'm sure PSG will go back and say, well, did you watch the game on Sunday? I don't, I don't know what number is right. What numbers? Even just, I've never seen this. A player that's out of contract. I guess I have seen that. A player who's out of contract offering an inordinate amount of money for a transfer fee for 180, which a guy you might be able to get and, in the offseason. And off the team saying no to that. And saying no. But this is like Jeff Bezos <laughs> playing poker. That's, that's why I think no, the Bezos like comparison you. is... <laughs> It's like you and I playing on the same table as Jeff Bezos. You know, you and I will play by the poker rules. All in on the first hand. Jeff Bezos doesn't care because he doesn't really, that table is not going to change his life. No, it's not. It might change ours, but it's not going to change his. Take a little skin off the kneecap of Jeff Bezos. PSG is working from a different playbook right here. Yeah. I think they don't, they they should keep him. They're not going to re-sign him though. But would you keep him if the guy knows that that you know he's he's not going to improve? You think? Well, I would only say that they have a much better bet with him because this is the thing, and we can talk about Ronaldo. You brought him up, and I was going to bring up him next signing with Manchester United, and these two mercurial, uh, just legends of the game, generational players. Lionel Messi goes to PSG. Cristiano Ronaldo goes back to Manchester United. They go to teams that have a lot of attacking players. So when I was watching, when when the PSG happened, these guys, here's a projected 11 for PSG. And it's Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, and then Di Maria behind them. Like, no, 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 no. You can't play all those guys. Same way at Manchester United, you can't play Greenwood, Rashford, Cavani, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Bruno Fernandez, you you can't play all these guys Pogba. and at Pogba, but PSG they're not good defensively. I was watching that game today and they 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 were lucky that they didn't drop a point or didn't drop a couple points. But um, and even they've given up five goals in their first two games. So when I see long term, if your defense needs work, you can't play Neymar and Messi together. I don't think you can't play Ronaldo and Cavani and Fernandez. When, when, Mbappe, when Mbappe was playing at Monaco with Leo Jardim, he would drop back. I remember I did a couple of games with him in the Champions League in February when he like lit up the world on fire because we, we saw his speed and, and the way he, he was able to transport the ball at high 
speed rate. And that it was like, this is this is a kid that's worth watching. And then all of a sudden PSG come in and they they, they you know pay 180 million euros for him when they got him. And you saw the work rate when he didn't have the ball. Now, when he goes to PSG and he gets side by side with Neymar, he realizes, okay, so my talent level is on par with Neymar. Or if not, you know, it's about maybe what he beats me with his experience. But talent level is on par, and Neymar doesn't drop back to to win the ball back. Yeah, and but they're different guys, and but I think I and I think maybe Ronaldo. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I think Ronaldo might do better at Man United because he's kind of like Mbappe that he's effort, effort, and not saying Messi doesn't, but Messi kind of fits it, his they don't pocket. Have the ball is not going to be his responsibility, right? It's not, and they're not asking to do that. But Ronaldo will find ways to get into the games, maybe a little less now at his age. But Mbappe does. So I think if they want to hit their targets, PSG this season, they got to keep him. No, of course. But that's gonna problem. that's gonna leave Messi and Neymar in a bad spot because I think that's they're gonna replace each other at a lot of times. I think when when we talk about if we were to talk about projects, I think the better the move that made Mbappe realize that he had nowhere to go at Paris Saint Germain is the fact that they renewed Neymar. Because when you renew the contract of a, of a player that, you know, the likes of Neymar, you're not going to base a whole project of growth on him. You know, it's, it's, it, it gives Neymar, on it Neymar. Gives Mbappe, on Neymar. Yeah. Yeah, it gives Mbappe the wrong message, right? You're basing the growth of this club on a player that might give you two or three more years. Why don't you base the project on Mbappe and renew the guy and put all yeah. the effort on, on, on getting this 22-year-old to renew and re-sign and then surround him with a cast that will grow with him and will help him grow as well, right? But now it's like win now or 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 in a year and that's it for Paris Saint-Germain. That's the whole project. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, that is the so whole enjoy project. It. Enjoy it while it's here. But you're right. And I, the teams that have built around youth and come together – have been better served, not all the way across the board, but I think of a team like maybe not youth, but Liverpool. They had a vision. They got those guys. My brother, <laughs> my son's pouring a glass of ice over here. Did you hear that? I I'm like, not, what are you it doing? Was good to see your reaction the way you I was reacted. like, what are you doing? <laughs> so uh, he must have thought I was on a phone call. Was that a little bit too heavy-handed right there? No, these good. kids, man. I'm telling you, they don't know where to pour ice on glass. Don't drink anymore. water. Don't drink water in my house. Yeah, at so. least not when you're recording. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to see that. But they kind of built together with the team. But this superstar situation is, I feel bad for Mauricio Pochettino. I hope he does well. I, I really am pulling for PSG. But that's got he's got to be home at night going, how do I manage this? How do I do this? There's so many big personalities I've got to. And he's appease. never been... He's never been put into that situation, managing a and uh, dressing room full of egos. And by egos, don't take this wrong, right? It's it's by egos you you, I mean players that expect playing time, that know that they are they are so good that they need to be on every starting eleven for that team. And and you're thinking that this team can field two starting elevens that can play competitively to win at least their domestic title. Uh, and then the game is a, you know, it's got its things, right? That, that, that are hard to explain those subjective points that make it so fascinating that would lead you to think that when it comes to 11 v 11 on any given day, a team, even with the likes of Neymar, Messi, Mbappe, Di Maria, a team like that can lose. Sure. And that is what a Champions League is made of, right? Of, of those, you know, home and away uh, fixtures that can ruin a season. And that could happen to Paris Saint-Germain. They don't stand a better chance of winning it than they did last year when they had an amazing team already. Yes, It's just that they have Messi and loads of pressure that comes with having one of the best players in history. I feel for Amado Acardi. He's a good player. And he's like, I'm never going to play on this team. I'll get to play some cup games, French cup, not champions league. It, 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 a great center forward, right? With the world cup coming up as well too. You'd think he'd want to have some minutes. And, sure. and I'm thinking 
his chances to impress in order to make the World Cup are not going to be on a, on every Sunday. They're going to be from Monday to Friday when he has to impress Messi in order for Messi to kind of say to Scaloni, listen, this guy, he works really well from you know Monday to Friday and, and we understand each other. Yeah, but you know, guys don't play together on, on Sunday. Yeah, but that's don't just one day. We play, you know, the other five days of the week. Do you think this will work at PSG? Do you think at the end of the season, they'll be like, all right, open up the cabinet. We got some silverware. Do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't hey. think so. I mean, history more- tells you that that projects like this, endeavors like this kind of this kind in, in soccer don't work on when they're rushed to work. You know, you it's have just- to give it time to 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 grow. I mean, when you at soccer team, it's not built. You know, on from one day to the next. There's so much opportunity for these clubs. Uh, but, but before I get into that, so I don't think PSG, I think Manchester United could work a little better with Ronaldo, a because he's the the returning prodigal son, and I mentioned those things about effort. But, you know, someone's going to be squeezed out there, and it's a it's a good situation for him because he was at Juventus, and I was like, what can he do? What can he do to you know squeeze the lemon of his career to the very last drop? And he's done everything. And I said, this is an interesting one because you have Manchester City and Chelsea that firmly are, to me, I think they're going to run away. They're going to have a, there's going to be them and there's going to be a gap, a small gap. Then it's going to be Manchester United, Liverpool, and there's going to be a big gap. You don't see them challenging for the title in the Premier League? I think Manchester United can. I think they will give them a run, but I think City and Chelsea will be too strong just from what I've seen. But I think Manchester United will end the season with something. By the way, I think all of those four Premier League teams I mentioned all win their Champions League groups. And the, re- and, and the reason I start feeling this way is like, I go, I know we just went through this whole Super League. And I go, it feels like they, these two are still, with the exception of Barcelona Real Madrid, very super. And the Premier League pushed back, but now they have like a little quartet of super teams in this league. Everyone wanted these games where Manchester City plays Norwich or Crystal Palace, but I don't I don't think those are going to be fun to watch. I think they're so much better because they've gotten better this season, well, whereas some of these clubs haven't. Wolverhampton, Manchester United was fun watching today. Yeah. You know, and, and they had, Wolves had their chances, and, and I'm sure these teams, we, we again, and, and when I spoke about hyperbole, I guess I meant that we, we tend to focus on what we see now and what we are looking at, right, is the spectacle of the Premier League with those all these big names. We, but we also forget that this league is full of bad defenses. Yes. It's got a lot of great names for defensemen, but it's full of bad defensive, you know, whatever quartets or line of threes or whatever you want to, want to call them. There's a lot of distraction in them, and, and there's a lot of non-athletic defensemen in the league that that also lead to having spectacular matches and i might be the only one that thinks that but i'm this not is, it sounds like of, you're just it sounds like you're describing nls <laughs> well i'm not a big fan of harry Maguire, for example and he's the captain of the english national team but but he might be for other reasons not for the football reasons i see very little on the guy i think like with manchester united i was watching the wolves game and they gave up a lot of chances. And I said, okay, Ronaldo's on his way. You almost need to bring in another defensive midfielder. Or maybe Pogba goes a little further up because it was like that midfield was getting run through a bit. So maybe that's where these clubs, smaller clubs, for lack of a better expression, can close the gap. Because the defense is, they're, they're all so top-heavy. And we've seen this sport long enough. You don't beat teams 5-3 and 4-2. They're usually 1-0. 2-1. Mm-hmm. Those are what happens. So you, the ability to grind it out, I wonder if, and I'm, I know I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth now, but if it will prevent these teams from being as successful as they want to be. Now, the ones that do defend, like Chelsea, those are the ones I think, and Man City that work really hard, can separate themselves. And that's, and we see this from last year's example, for the last season's example as well. That it, it was more the defensive structure of Thomas Tuchel that provided Chelsea the opportunity to go far in the Champions League more than anything else. So if we're talking about, you know, the, the Premier League, that style of play will not last with Chelsea. 
they will make it through a 1-1 at Anfield with 10 men like it happened during this weekend. But it won't last when they have to face the likes of that middle ground, the middle class in the Premier League. They really have to grind with the, with the ball at their feet. And they really have to create with possession of the ball. That is what, what I see. You know, That's when you really win the championships. And that's where City kind of stands above everybody else. With Chelsea, maybe a, a close second to them. But when you play those you know, home and aways, Chelsea knows how to do it. And, and that's the style that wins tournaments like the Champions League. So when you're talking about teams defending bad, as in Paris Saint-Germain, take that to the European stage and place it on a knockout round like that. And Paris Saint-Germain stand just as good a chance as losing as to winning the whole thing, but they stand just as good a chance of losing in the round of 16 as sure. anybody else. One bad day, one bad day, and then all of a sudden you're in a lot of trouble. By the way, the, the best thing, the best performance I saw was Chelsea against Liverpool protecting that result with 10 men. And Mendy way, at goal. Because one thing I noticed is they always rotated so that Liverpool never had a player, an, an offensive player, open. There was always a guy covering, always. There was never a guy who had a step. Like Salah would get the ball to his feet and uh Jorginho or whomever else was right in his face or someone overlaps Aspilicueta they'd all I was like man that's like a well-oiled machine it was really I was taken back because I usually don't notice those things so much you know we always notice the attacking players but because we had the game changed and it became a defensive game I you notice what Chelsea were doing defensively and it was really impressive yeah they were also because of who they played they were also lined up to it's like not not that they of course they don't know or want to have a player sent off but if it happens the best player to have sent off is the likes of Reese James because that allows the whole back line to just shift and put that as Piliqueta as a right fullback and and, and Marcos Alonso as a left fullback and everything else is in order you know, you just kind of hope that if Lukaku gets, which they created some, if Lukaku is there by himself, he's not too far away from his next teammate, you know. Let's talk La Liga because you're going to be covering it. So I want to get your, because th- this is a compelling league because Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, Real Madrid could change considerably if they get Mbappe. Barcelona, this is the team they have. I've, I've been impressed with them. They beat Getafe. And Memphis Depay has been really good. He looks like he was always meant to be with that team. He just, and some of these other, I, I, I've enjoyed how some of these guys, and not to say they're getting out of Messi's shadow, but they have a bigger role uh, and they're doing it. Dijon, these, these other guys, I'm like, okay, I enjoy it. It's a different Barcelona. It's obviously not going to get people super excited because you don't have the, the added uh, attraction of Lionel Messi. But, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid kind of getting results still so, so early. I know that. And Atletico Madrid, they lost, right? They were... They were they, they, they tied. They, they tied. Oh, they got the goal late. Oh, still, still they... Uh, well, that was a good result for them. And they're the reigning champions. But it seems like it's, it's going to be a very tight situation there. But I'm, I like what I see. It's been a good product. And Barcelona has the added option of having La Masia and we know these young players are going to come through and already making a difference then uh, they're loaning guys out I mean I was watching Wolves I forgot about Trincao he's been loaned out because they have all these good young players they have Pedri and and others um what's the one kid hasn't played this this season Gabi no not Gabi man I should have been ready for this Gabi Nico Gonzalez they have a hey, well Mingueza Yusuf Demir. Ansu Fati. Fati. Ansu Fati. Yeah, yeah. He's so uh, about- yeah, these guys will come in and then they won't, they don't have to sort of defer to Messi. And I think that's going to work out well. So I'm excited to see how it happens. What do you think happens in Spain? I think I like Real Madrid, especially if they make a splash here. I know they're in bad financial order, but not as bad as Barcelona. And maybe that's the difference at the end of the day. Yeah. I think Real Madrid, well, let's, if we talk about the candidates of this in, in this season, we, we also have to put in a Sevilla, Sevilla. In, that, in that list because they have, they have made some really good signings. We and didn't really sell that many guys. They kind of kept the guys. They kept the good core of the team yeah. that, that fought up until the last three, you know, match days of last season. And they have, 
you know, they have Papu Gomez, which we need to remember. He came from Atalanta in the middle of last year, and he will produce. They have signed Eli Clamela. They have signed Rafa Mir, who was the, the center forward for the team in Spain that, that ended up winning the silver medal at the Olympics. So they are loaded. They have a good core of players to compete in La Liga, not also that, but also to, to make a good run in the Champions League. So they are a good squad. And Atletico, they have also managed to improve the squad that won last year's Liga. They have Rodrigo de Paul. They have come in with Mateos Cunha, who can come off the bench. Still no Joao Felix for this season. Luis Suarez and Angel Correa, they're a good partnering partners in, in attack. And then you, you go with Real Madrid. Okay, we'll go back to the Mbappe thing. Do they really need him now? Do they really need the 180 million euros now? Maybe if they want to compete uh, for media coverage, they do. But if they really look into it, and in football terms, uh, or, or, or with football sense, they already have a difference maker in Vinicius. They just have to be positive about him. I'm not saying Vinicius is like Mbappe, but I'm saying that you have a player that can take you on a one-on-one and beat nine out of 10 guys in La Liga, nine out of 20 right backs in La Liga. And I don't know who's the one that could stand up to him, but he can beat almost everyone. And he can make people stand off their chairs and, and they just need to get over the fact that they wrote a lot of bad things about Vinicius coming in because he would miss a lot of opportunities right there. And he also came in right at the time when they were trying to find somebody, an immediate replacement to Cristiano. And that is impossible, mm. right? So the bad timing from Vinicius, the bad press that they got, he got at the beginning. If he were to turn that around, he's got the quality to make Mbappe wait a season, go and do your thing at PSG, fail at the Champions League, come back free of charge and start producing at Real Madrid. And on the other side in Barcelona, it's uh, Alex Pareja, my colleague, who comes up with the best lines. He said one time that it's not a matter of Barcelona turning the page on Messi. You have to close the book because it's a whole different volume of yeah. your history and start writing a new one. Do they have enough players to make you think they can? Yeah, well, Ansu Fati has to come back from injury. He needs to come back 100% in, under, in order for him to start seeing playing time, Ronald Koeman said. But they also have Gavi, 17 years old, fourth youngest player in Barcelona to, to make a first-team appearance. Nico Gonzalez. I don't know if you remember Fran from, yes, from Deportivo. Deportivo. Yep. That's his son. Make you feel old, right? You saw what? I, we got to make it. Someone's got to do a documentary on the Deportivo team because they just fall. I mean, that's obviously a much different time. But that team was amazing with those guys. They won, the, they won in Spain. They sold Rivaldo and ended up winning La Liga without Rivaldo. <laughs> that, was, that was a great team. I enjoy them. So Fran. you have Nico Gonzalez, you have Gavi, uh, Ansu Fati, who we just mentioned, uh, Rayman Ash, Ronaldo Araujo, the Uruguayan center back, who played a heck of a game today against uh, Getafe, who's a different Getafe team, by the, by the, by the way. And Memphis, who, just men who you just mentioned, Griezmann has been so far, has not made an appearance, although he's played all three games, but Wait for him to come in. Breathweight is in and out. But Memphis has landed on two feet in this squad. And somebody from, this, from the coaching staff told me a couple of days back, he's a leader without having, you know, the, the aura of a leader, right? You think of, of Memphis and you, I don't know why he's, they or, or we have created this bad uh, side to him. Yeah. Which he doesn't You're right. See. You're absolutely right. And he's done nothing because, to deserve that. He's done nothing because to because he's, he's a, a rapper. And he no. remember he was he was like was he he's going to get married to Steve Harvey's daughter? So he was in the Hollywood mix. And everyone's like, oh, Hollywood. He's got these tattoos. He's a, and he didn't do anything to deserve that. You're a hundred percent right. Nothing yeah. at all. I've what I've heard. Not never met him, met the guy, but I haven't spoken to people that have. He's a great. I'm not say kid, but everybody that plays a game now is a kid compared to me. Well, he's an old man on that team. This guy. <laughs> this guy. Is, is got great qualities to him. Plus, he's going to give you play when you don't have the ball. So that work rate is something that they're getting in return from not having Messi, right? Well, he scored 30 goals this season. If he does, I'll tip my hat to him and, and stand up and give him a standing ovation. I don't think he will. 
But I don't think Barcelona need that production from him only. He, they can also get it once Ansu Fati comes back. They can get it from Frankie de Jong from the second line. They can get it from Pedri when Pedri comes back from his little vacation, which he deserves, by the way. Hey, they should. They should. They said they should have said no to the Olympics. They should have said no to the Olympics. Too no, much. Too much. Too no. much football. No, but these players are going. I want to do this, and now we have to give you vacation. And now they're letting them, they're not letting these no. players go to World Cup qualifiers. It's the Olympics. You don't say no to the Olympics. Some, well, if you, you say either or, you want to do the Euros or you want to do the Olympics, oh, you make no, the decision. No. If they ask me that, I'm, I'm doing both. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Pick one or the other. I'm doing both. He's come back home with an Olympic silver medal. No. Well, okay. What's better than that? You'll say, well, a gold medal, but a gold well, medal. yeah, but now he's got a little vacation and his club's like, uh, well, you know what the vacation you. comes in? He misses this game and the international match day. Not bad. All right. All right. Okay. So, but what I'm seeing, and, and to wrap it up, what I'm seeing is a very competitive and very interesting league to start opening that new book. Yep. And, and I think Joe really, Laporta. You want to be there when, when in a couple of years you say, well, I started watching or I kept on watching the Liga when Messi went away and most people said they were going to tune off. Well, I started seeing the Gavis. I started appreciating Vinicius. I started knowing Llorente a little more at, at Atletico. I started appreciating the collective unit that Sevilla is. And, and then in a couple of years, you'll be a step ahead of everybody else. At some point, Real Madrid was going to lose Ronaldo. So they accelerated. He went to Juventus. Some point, Lionel Messi and Barcelona are going to part ways, whether he retires. And you don't want to lose him. Obviously, we see what he means to that club and that city and everything. But they're going to look back and say, well, we got like a head start or year or two to start our next vision of this team and get these young players. That accelerates everything. So you didn't have to defer it for a year. So I think Joan Laporta, they'll probably look kind of fondly to this time because they have all the resources to have a great team there. And now they, they can start right, start writing the book now as opposed to start writing it next year. What do they always tell you if you want to write a book? Start writing now. Exactly. So the, the lines <laughs> are being jotted down. And I yes. think when you come to, to, you know, being in good position for that, for that book to be written, I think Real Madrid has done a lot in positioning themselves. Yeah. To have that signing, that big player signing, come to their team, because they 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 are contrary to most uh, people's opinion, they are not as old as we might. See. If we see past Modric and Kroos and Benzema, they're they're a fairly young team. And look sure. past Bale, which everybody I think Real Madrid looks past Bale. You know, he's been they're playing. A fairly, they're a fairly young team. It's a. Uh... They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna all do well because I think the apparatus is set. Uh, I want a, a hard pivot because I want to talk about World Cup qualifying because you got your El Salvador shirt and we shared some Mahiko Gonzalez stories. So in my next segment, I'm gonna predict the order of finish. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I'm gonna tell you out of the eight teams, I don't know if you're gonna be happy. I have El Salvador seventh, but a competitive seventh out of the octagon. How could you be a competitive seventh out of eight? They'll get some results and they'll be close to fifth and sixth. But they'll be ahead of one team, which I'm not going to tell you. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I I thought you might be happy to hear that, but I can see on your face you're not. So what? <laughs> at least yeah, if we can if we can hang with the group, you know, and I'm, this is the only team that I talk in in first name basis, or first what do you how do you call it first person? Yeah, you're if allowed to do can, that. If we can hang on until you know the next to last match day, and and we're still with a possibility. I will be happy with that because I don't think that, that nothing has been done in El Salvador's soccer environment to make us believe that we can go to the World Cup. But you're, getting, you're getting a little closer, though. So and it, I want to get your thoughts on the USA is going to San Salvador. What's that going to be like opening game? We know CONCACAF, it's, it's difficult to travel. We haven't really seen San Salvador or El Salvador at this stage in recent qualifiers. But we have it here. I, I got to tell you, what Hugo Perez is in charge. And the one thing that stood out to me, and I know the talent is, it's not breathtaking by any means. But clearly something he's been working on is fitness. Because when they played Mexico and when they played Qatar, 
they were the better team at the end of both those games. Mm -hmm. They were running. And I'm like, all right. And now they've got some dual nationals that they were able to bring in like Zavaleta and Alex Roldan. Uh, this is kind of a, a new concept there, but it seems to be working. So they're leaning into kind of the, the American El Salvadorian experience, mm -hmm. but they're getting some good play. I mean, the game breakers, no, but I, they, they need some, they need a couple good technical stars, but I, I, I really admire what I'm seeing. And I wonder maybe not against the U S but if they play Costa Rica or Panama, then maybe they can get some points because I bet you they're fitter. Well, the U.S. is without a doubt a better squad. And, and with this, I mean, they can also put together a better team. I'm not saying that Bearhalter is the greatest manager the, the U.S. can have at this stage and with this level of talent. But any, anybody can put a good team with this level of talent in the U.S. Even Greg Bearhalter can do it. I'm not a big fan of Bearhalter, by the way. And I, <laughs> I kind of got that impression. I, I was never a big fan, but I'm, I think he whatever he said so far, he's delivered. So I I take my hat off. But so has far. he delivered or had the, the players delivered? The players, I mean, the players delivered, but I think in this sense, he said he says, everyone's gonna get a shot. I'm gonna look at all of you. He did. Uh I feel he was very fair. I think he he said I was what he said. I'm gonna look at this competition, this competition. If these guys do well in Europe we will consider them. And when I saw the selections, it kind of paralleled what he was saying. Now we got to see to the games. He won the two big tournaments over Mexico. And I think that's worth a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I think big picture, they probably have to go a different direction down the road to get the best out of these players. Once they want to take that next step. As to what to expect in San Salvador. But, way to come honest. back to that last question. I like that. <laughs> it's going to be really hard for, the U.S. to play in this environment. Not only will they go into it literally through a funnel of people in order to get to the stadium, and that is going to be scary. When you when you see a lot of people, you know, clinging clinging onto the windows of your of your bus, <laughs> when, and you're only you know a hundred yards away from from walking into the dressing room. And by the way, when you walk into the dressing room, it's not like in these European stadiums where they go and they bring the auto car down and, and, and you're, you know, secluded from the fans, you know, you do it right in front of the fans. You see everything. It, it's going to be hellish. I'm hoping it's respectful hell, you know, because I do want to give a good impression of, 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 of the country to those visiting, but no one past history. Wait. It, they've got to do their part for their team. The fans are doing their part as yeah, long as it's some respectful. Know, no, I, I wish there wouldn't be any beer throwing or or no. stuff like that. Which I'm hoping. What about fireworks not. outside the hotel? That's okay. Oh, there will be. Although, okay, yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's innocent. The game is on a Thursday, and who doesn't play mariachi outside of the hotel on a Wednesday night? Right? <laughs> That'll happen. And that is what CONCACAF is about. Yes. And don't cry about that because that is the history of our region. And we love that. We I, love our, I love our region for that. I love it too. I think it's so well, unique. But I, I, I do wish that there wouldn't be any throwing of objects at players when they walk into the stadium. I'm not saying this to call on that to happen. I'm saying this to call on it to prevent it. Right? Good. But it's going to be scary for the likes of Serginho Dest and, and Pulisic if he plays on that first game. It's going to be a, an experience they haven't lived. It's a crammed dressing room with this window is the access, land. With the, yeah, window access to the crowd. And you can hear it. You can't see it, but you can hear it, which is worse. Hearing a noise that you can't see is scary. Will they have and, a full house? Will they have a, I mean, are they yeah. allowed to have a full because they, they're not on the red list, El Salvador. No, but whatever it is, it's going to be as full as it can get. And it's going to be as loud as it will probably have, even if it is, you know, 75% or 50%, it's going to be really loud. And, you know, one thing that, that will hinder against the U.S. style of play, and also El Salvador, by the way, is the field. It's a hard turf. It's really hard and uneven turf. And that is going to make for hard... Plant. That's a big it, detail, by the way, because that ball be bounces really in a weird way. You can't get into the, a rhythm. It's going to be really hard to play the ball out of the back with confidence. And that goes for both teams. So uh, will El Salvador play better if they played in the U.S.? Yes. 
will they enjoy the atmosphere in the U.S.? Because there's going to be a partisan crowd in the U.S. as well because of the Salvadorans that show up to the stadium. Yes, but there's not going to be the environment that will scare the players with two or three hours prior to the game. And That's that it. plays in, in favor of El Salvador. And I'm laughing you, about it. I'm going there, by the way. I'm excited. Are you going for the game? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm so. Don't I, climb up on the team bus, okay? And don't, no, no, none of that. I don't want to hear Fernando no, no, Palomo's that out of control. I've, I don't know. If, you remember when Javier Aguirre took over Mexico in the yes. lead up to the World Cup of South Africa World Cup? So I was walking as a fan. I was walking towards the stadium when the Mexican team bus came in, and I'm, I was scared. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I'm on the we're on the same I'm team the here. I'm on I'm with the good guys around, you know, and that look at in, in my that blue side. El Salvador shirt. Yeah, and I was I was scared, I was terrified, but I was terrified for the team players. And I've talked to Guardado and, and Pavel Pardo were on that team. And I asked him, Do you remember when you guys went into the Cuscatlan and I I have to stop talking and they lead, they take over? And their stories are from inside the bus. Their stories are are like, oh wow, I'm glad I was on the other side, you know, not inside the bus. You know, if you keep talking for now, I might move El Salvador up to sixth. This is pretty. This is pretty convincing. Well, when <laughs> if, that's what I'm saying. If El Salvador can hang on and get a couple of good results that will keep the stadium full towards the end of the octagonal tournament, then I see I see El Salvador having a chance. Now, as far as playmakers or difference makers, you haven't seen it yet. No. Enrico Duenas, who plays for FC Eindhoven in in the Netherlands. Um, he played at the U23 pre-Olympic tournament in Guadalajara. It was the first time ever for him done in the, the, the national team jersey. So he's one of the, those dual citizens, but he could have chosen Finland or the Netherlands. He decided to play for El Salvador. And, and I owe you the, the back. Enrico Duenas. So I got to keep an eye on this. This is another yeah, one. Yeah. So he just landed in El Salvador for the first time ever in four days. He'll be here in the crowd chanting his name. They haven't even seen the guy playing El Salvador because he's never been to our country. But he's playing on, on Thursday. And you know what? He's one of ours. Therefore, he's one of mine. Do you like what uh, Perez has done with the dual nationals? I love what Perez has done to the style. of the Yeah, game. they have a style. There, they there is a style. And that is what we, you know, Hugo is an, is an American soccer Hall of Famer. But the guy was born in El Salvador, and he knows what Salvadorians want. You know what? Going back, because it's all full circle, he went to the stadium to see Magico Gonzalez, and he wow. saw... Way to bring it home. He saw that Magico Gonzalez what, was what he wanted to play football like. And because he saw the way fans reacted to Magico Gonzalez play, he understands that that's what we as Salvadorians want. Not that we have to, that we want to bring back Magico Gonzalez. No, it's that we want to treat the ball with respect. We want to play short, one-touch football because there's nothing faster on the field or on the pitch than a soccer ball. We're going to lose in speed to Jamaicans, Trinidarians. We're going to lose to Mexicans, Costa Ricans, Americans. But if we touch the ball fast, they can't beat us. <laughs> Way to come full circle. I got to say... Everything you said is was what I was worried about because we've sold this U.S. team, and I think the U.S. is going to do very well. But this is the first time these kids are experiencing this. They've Christian Pulisic's been living, you know, it's limousine rides, not limousines, but you know, first class treatment at Chelsea, Juventus first class treatment for Weston McKinney. They're all playing at top clubs and top leagues. It's all first class treatment, and now they're going to have this big shift, and they have to react. All the all the facilities are the grass, all that's great. And now they've been told about this, but now they have to experience it. So I will say if it ends one one, I would be OK with it for the U.S. If they get out of their first game because it's the first because they have to go to Honduras again six six days later, I'll be OK with it. And I think that's what you got to be careful not to let it get away because it's going to be uncomfortable and it will be. If they win it, I was then this team's going to do really well. This U.S. team because they they could play in Denver, they can play in Las Vegas and do well, but they can go down to the Cuscutlan and get a result. So that's why this game is so um, fascinating to me for a variety of reasons. But I think if they get out one one, and I know people go, we got to win that game. If they get one one, I'm saying good start. Yeah, I don't know. It would be a great result, and I think the U.S. 
and I'm speaking as objectively as I can, the U.S., again, they have a better squad. They can field a better team. Therefore, they have the better chances of winning the game. They can play bad and still win the game. But it's everything else that surrounds the game that will be a, just the biggest, a bigger test than the game itself for this young generation of players. I can't wait. Fernando, we could talk about it all the time, but I appreciate that. That was a good preview, and it was succinct, and we got people pumped, minus the 1-1 prediction on my part. I appreciate you for joining me in the business end. All the best to the family. You have a wonderful family, and I will. We'll look, I hope we can do this again soon, my friend, and I'll wear something a little better to match your El Salvador shirt. <laughs> Any day, Max, you know that. And, 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 I mean, I'm excited for what's coming up in, in this. I'm trying. I'm, me too. I'm always... Thank we lucky when we cover this sport. It's nonstop. We just yeah, nonstop I'm, good stories. I'm, I'm super excited about what's coming up in this uh, final round of qualifiers. I'm excited with La Liga coming up. And thanks for bringing that up because I think we have a great product in our hands and it's, and it's, I'm really enjoying it. And it's really got me pumped because it's a, it's something to put some ownership into and, and, and sure. that's, that's, that's a good exciting. feeling. And, um, and, and I'm telling you, having a chat with you about what we love, is is great and, and thanks for bringing the passion to it we love it i love these conversations that's why i'm doing this thing why do i do this podcast fernando jota palomo joining <laughs> me here in the business end of the soccer og we'll be right back with stoppage time where i give you my predictions from the final phase of concacaf world cup qualifying Okay, everybody, I went a little bit long here. I like to keep these podcasts around an hour, so I'm going to rip through this really quickly. This is stoppage time. I'm going to give you my predictions for the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. And I will have a video up on my YouTube page with more details on why I went this direction. I'm going to go eight through one. You already know El Salvador seven, so Panama is going to be eighth. Panama did make the last World Cup, an incredible achievement. They're beginning a transition don't have enough players playing in big spots overseas. Some guys in South America. It's going to be... I I just, I'm a little higher on El Salvador right now than the Panamanians, who uh, do have some nice players like Edgar Barcenas, uh, Michael Murillo, who plays in Belgium. But I think it's going to be a cyclical thing, and they're going to take their lumps. Can't score goals either, this team, which is tricky. El Salvador, for reasons that I touched on with... Fernando, I like what Hugo Perez is doing with the dual nationals. He's just getting, it's another stream. And uh, El Salvador has got such a great support in the United States in there. I, I think they're going to be a thorn in the side for many teams. And they'll be seventh and will be right up against Costa Rica, who is going to be my sixth place team. I'm really going through this so much faster than I would have liked to. I do apologize. Costa Rica have that old guard still. Uh, Celso Borges, Brian Ruiz. Joel Campbell's not an old player, but he's going to be a more featured guy. Costa Rica in every World Cup. They made the quarterfinals in 2014. They were there in 2018. Kaylor Navas is going to be a guy that can wipe away some mistakes because he's such a good goalkeeper. And uh, Coach Luis Fernando Suarez, where does he go? He brought in Juisan Bennett, who's 17, and Manfred Ugalde, who's 19. So now they're going to begin that process of new players. I think the next cycle, Costa Rica, is going to be a force. We go up to number five. This was a tricky one. I'm going to put Jamaica here. And they have so many good English-based players. Defensively, they're going to be stout because of those English-based players as well. Leon Bailey is a huge difference maker. They can get up as high as three if Michael Antonio, who did get his Jamaican passport, according to a report in The Athletic, if he can get further up and do it. Because he could play for England. If, if I was Gareth Southgate, I'd be talking to Michael Antonio and make say, are you sure about this? Because maybe you have a future with England. I truly believe that the way he is playing right now for West Ham. He plays for Jamaica. Look out. In the meantime, because I'm not sure what 100% what's happening with that, I will go with Honduras number four. Honduras is going through a bit of a cycle. They do have a lot of the old guard there. But based on what they've done in the Olympics and uh, some good some good young players making through that went through the Olympics, I think they're going to be there. And then they have La, La Pantera at the top of the attack. The guy who's, uh, who is one of the top goal scorers in this region in Albert Elise. So I think Honduras finishes fourth, which is the playoff spot. 
Canada will be third. We saw what they did in the Gold Cup. Uh, Should have beat Mexico. They're so good. Their best players are their youngest players. Uh, Alfonso Davies is their youngest player. And then you have Jonathan David, who's 21. Tejan Buchanan, who's on his way to Belgian Football Club. Bruges is 22. They got themselves a good keeper, Maxime Crepeau. They have depth in a lot of positions. Canada's going to the World Cup. It's been a while. It's been 25 years since they've been in this final World Cup cycle. And last time we saw them in the World Cup, 1986? 1986. I remember I was in Mexico for those games. Number two is Mexico. I got to rip through this really quickly. And USA is going to be one. The USA's uh, talent cannot be matched. Mexico may be able to get them, but there's too many question marks. Raul Jimenez is back, but in this September games, no Herrera, no Chucky Lozano. I think they have to have a grown-up conversation with Andres Guardado about his future. And uh, Mexico just doesn't have as much positivity swirling around it. So I'll put that there. I'll wrap this up here. The United States... Finishing first and finishing first through CONCACAF. I think they'll get off to a slow start, but then they'll pick up steam once these guys get some some gas. Much more on this on the Soccer OG YouTube. Go check it out. Please subscribe, rate, review, download, share the Soccer OG podcast. Big show next week as well. Real special guest. More details ahead. Placido Domingo, everybody. <laughs>